Welcome to Viewpoint on Construction, our podcast series that offers modern takes on a transforming industry. Beyond the latest construction technologies and best practices, this podcast series looks at the innovative ideas, creative voices, and forward-thinking themes that are shaping our industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to A Viewpoint on Construction. Despite my best efforts, I remain Wayne Newitz, and I am thrilled to be bringing you, as we usually do, some of the smartest, uh, most influential people in the construction industry to speak to us about topics relevant to our business today. And today, I have a treat for everyone. A lot of you out there, a lot of our listeners have likely heard this gentleman speak in the past. I'd like to present to all of our guests today, Aniban Basu, Chief Economist for the ABC and CFMA, amongst many other accolades we simply don't have time to go into. Aniban, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, Wayne, thanks a lot for having me. You bet. I should also mention Anubhan is a principal at the Sage Policy Group Incorporated, and we'll be sure uh, that we give you information about how to reach out to uh, to him and his firm at the end of our podcast today. So, so Anubhan, our paths have crossed before in mostly legitimate locations around the country, and and despite myself, again, I've learned a lot from you over the years, sir. But one thing I've always wanted to ask you apart from how you get your hair looking the way you do, is what attracted you? What attracted you to this so-called dismal science? And, you know, so a bit of your story. And, and did you always indeed find it as dismal as those poor pessimistic 19th century uh, uh, economists did? What, what brought you into the field? Well, I think I probably initially found it to be quite dismal, but I found many subjects to be dismal. <laughs> um, but when I got to graduate school... Um, in the early 1990s, uh, in the particular program I was in, a two-year program, I had the highest score in microeconomics in my class and would go on to be a teaching assistant for that same class the following year. Uh, and then I scored the highest in my macroeconomic sequence as well. Uh, and so I knew I had a facility with economics. That's it. And um, and so that's, you know, I, I thought I was pretty good at it. And, uh, and here I am. I, I don't, look, I may not be good at it. But I thought I was good at it. And your question was, why did you enter the field? And that's mm-hmm. why I entered the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, surveys say, sir, you're pretty darn good at it. I don't think you rise to where you've been, but uh, thank you for your humility. Uh, it, uh, it's not deserved, I must say. You, I, I've spent many years uh, listening to you give, if I may, a bit of a play on words for your firm, uh, wise or sage advice to folks who've been relying on you for this for years. And, and so let's just dive right into the topic of uh, our current economic state in our industry. But, but maybe even before that, why in general should a contractor, we have, a, I'm sure, a fairly broad audience with different interests from a more of an operational standpoint, some more finance and business. But, but regardless, if you're in construction, if you're in construction management, what things should you be aware of economically? What trends, what facts, figures, or basic basic understandings should you have to be successful in construction? What would you say? I think it comes down to a lot of things, but cash flow management is certainly one of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it really is remarkable that contractors are so capable of improving our shared built environments, of dealing with the vagaries of engineering and climate and so on and so forth, and material science. That's remarkable. Mm-hmm. But in terms of managing an enterprise, construction is one of the most volatile segments of the economy. 
the segment, the construction segment, tends to do very well during good economic times and very poorly during bad economic times. Right. And so managing cash flow is critical because there are going to be periods during which a company might have lots of cash on hand. Mm-hmm. And that, as it turns out, is often when mistakes are made because that cash, some of it at least, can come in very handy when the next downturn begins, which is why, by the way, I think economists are pretty important to contractors because to the extent that we can help contractors predict downturns or warn them that a possibility the possibility of a downturn is elevated. Right. I think that's helpful in terms of cash flow management and enterprise management. No, that that's um, that's so true from what I hear in the field. I was speaking to a um, owner of a, a fairly large uh, general contracting firm in Seattle, and the said something. Uh, the gentleman said something I'll never forget, and it was, uh, "I never waste a good recession." Um, took me a few minutes to process that and a little bit of explanation, but I think he was saying close to the same thing you were, which is that. You know, it's cyclical. Our you know economic trends are certainly the construction industry uh, is is cyclical, no doubt about that. And so, during the down times, you behave one way. During the good times, you behave another. And hopefully, it's uh, hopefully both both ways are rational. I, I guess what broad indicators, and I know that this varies depending on the type of work you do uh, in construction, but. What are some of the broad indicators that you tend to look towards or point people towards to have an idea of where we're headed? Are we headed towards a recession, a bull or a bear market, et cetera? What, what in for construction do you, do you tend to point to or look at? Well, there are so many leading indicators. So the leading indicators for the global economy and the national economy. And I think by and large, those indicators are suggesting that the economy is about to slow both mm. worldwide and domestically. And then, of course, with respect to construction, we have a tendency to look at metrics like backlog, mm-hmm. which is a natural leading indicator because it relates to contractual work that it, you know has already been accounted for. I mean, the contracts have been signed, but the work has yet to be done. Right. So, you know, backlog is obviously a very important indicator. It's something we track at associate builders and contractors, the architecture billings index. We also look at state and local government capital spending plans. Um, so there are a number of leading indicators for construction. I think a lot of them are suggesting that for now, demand for construction services will be quite high. Mm-hmm. But I think the broader economic indicators are suggesting that this economy is going to slow in 2019, and that could set the stage for a more rugged 2020. I understand. And, and that's a good segue kind of into more of the analogy being you know, larger almost climate-like statements about where we're headed as an economy as a whole versus specifically what are we looking at as we enter into, you know, building season 2019. So as you're looking at at these, this long relevant laundry list of, of leading indicators, what are some of the things you're seeing now for this building season as, um, as contractors prepare to, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully make some money this year? What, uh, what things should they be looking at? Well, many things. Look, the average contractor had a decent year in 2018. Mm -hmm. In fact, many contractors with whom I spoke said it was the best year in their company's history. They were busy. Uh, Profit margins were decent in many segments. And toward the end of the year, contractors may have even received some relief from rising materials costs. You'll remember that in early 2018, uh, recently enacted tariffs were really impacting the sector. Mm-hmm. Steel prices were on the rise, of course. Aluminum prices on the rise. Softwood lumber prices on the rise. 
what we have seen is a moderation of those price increases. In fact, contractors have been telling me that softwood lumber prices have been falling. Mm -hmm. And so from that perspective, that's good for profit margins. Now, with respect to workers, of course, the opposite is true. Workers are becoming more expensive faster. The construction industry nationally added 280,000 people last year. Mm -hmm. It's a profound total. The, the issue is this. Who are these 280,000 people? Right. How trained are they? Right. How reliable are they? And will they stay with the industry? We don't know. But uh, that's the leading challenge, of course, in construction today. It's about human capital, finding good workers and holding on to them, compensating them fairly without making a firm uncompetitive in a competitive bidding environment. That's mm -hmm. a big challenge. On top of, of course, just delivering construction services with competence. And so, I mean, that's, I think 2019 basically is in some sense a repeat of 2018. Contractors will be busy and they'll be scrambling for workers. And they'll be also thinking about how technology can help solve some of these issues. So that's a great segue. And not only because I work for a technology company, but in my experience, when one is presented with a seemingly intractable problem, eventually some technology comes along and changes the game, changes the playing field. Are you starting to see that? Are you starting to see things like prefabrication or other job site uh, technologies, drone surveying, other things? Do you see them providing any relief to this workforce issue that we're all dealing with in the industry? Right, so where I have seen, where I've observed a lot of technological progress is on the design side. I think about BIM, of course, but other technologies that help architects and engineers, uh, design structures, and also in project management, including the services and, and products that Viewpoint offers, but drones and so on and so forth, helping people understand whether or not the construction is taking place as desired. That's all very important, but here's mm -hmm. the thing. The actual construction itself is still done largely by human beings. Right. And they're not enough trained human beings to do those jobs. So the bricklaying and the plumbing and the electrical work. Now, it's true. Some of this can be handled by prefabrication and modularization, and we're seeing that. But we would not have a labor shortage in construction if those technologies had become dominant. They're mm -hmm. nibbling at the edges. At some point, we will see robots laying bricks, and in fact, that's already happening, but more on an experimental mm -hmm. scale than in mm -hmm. the impact the construction industry scale. But, but you know, yes, we're going to see new technologies effectively solve these problems. And here's what I would say, the final point on this question. In 2008, we had more construction workers than we had work. In 2018, we had more work than we had construction workers. Mm. 2028 could be very different. So, right, and, and my, um, my engineering background, which dates, you know, to the previous century at least, um, would, tell me, would tell me that these types of, uh, you know, bell responses, if you will, these oscillations can either dampen out over time, be steady state, or explode, right? One of those three things. And so specifically when, when it comes to the workforce issue, where it's either too much or not enough. Do you see this stabilizing over time for us? Do you see a path out of the, the, the current situation that we're in it, uh, for labor shortage on job side? I really don't see a stabilization. And I'll tell you why, it's pretty simple. It's the outflow is greater than the inflow. In other words, 
many of our most talented, most gifted, most devoted construction workers are in their 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, they are retiring in larger numbers. Uh, and we simply do not have enough 20 and 30-somethings entering the industry. Uh, and I, I would say that's particularly true for women. You know, as, as mm -hmm. you know, construction has tend to be a male-dominated industry, and mm -hmm. one of the potential solutions is to bring more women into the industry. Mm -hmm. But even with those kinds of efforts, and even with the, uh, efforts to expand apprenticeship programs, so on and so forth, I just do not see enough people entering the industry, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Correspondingly, that means that more construction firms are going to be looking to technology, the kind of technology that replaces human beings right. to solve this issue. And that's where I see the revolution coming. It's not so much on the workforce side. There, there will be an evolution there, but there will be a technological revolution impacting construction. This is necessary right. for construction to continue to operate as an industry effectively. Well, absolutely. And actually, let's, if we can, let's, let's project that out into the future. Uh, this is something that as a counterpoint, I often hear as well, which is that with technology now, you know, we're, we're, you know, we've probably most of us now by now have seen the, uh, you know, the picture of 3D printing of, of, of homes in China, you know, uh, putting, putting out building materials, uh, not ink uh, any longer, uh, which is fascinating to watch a little bit. Uh, you, it does beg a lot of questions about the scalability of that technology now, but eventually in every industry, the trend is to replace human, uh, human capital, human work with non-human. Do you see this affecting the construction industry in a significant way down the road where, where now we, we actually have the opposite problem again? We, we have uh, too many workers to support the work that we have. Yeah, that's what I say. You know, I, as I say, in you know, 2008, too many workers given the level of construction taking place. 2018, not enough workers given the level of construction taking place. 2028 could be the opposite again, where we have too many workers. Just because there has been a revolution in technology. Now, maybe it's not by 2028. Maybe it's 2032 or 2035. Right. But the point is necessity is the mother of invention. Mm -hmm. And right now it is necessary for construction firms to deliver construction services, and there are not enough trained human beings to do it smoothly, reliably, and predictably. And so people are going to be scrambling for alternatives, and the alternative is technology. And if that's, you know, bricklaying SAM robots or whatever it happens to be, or 3D mm -hmm. printing office buildings, which we have seen happen now in this world, mm -hmm. um, that's where we're going to head. And, of course, again, you know, some of the issue is this, that, you know, construction doesn't allow for things like flex time. Right. Construction tends to take place outdoors. And so the millennial generation has demonstrated a preference for certain types of work. Mm -hmm. They like flex time. They like, you know, so many of them, for instance, drive Uber or Lyft. Why? Because they start when they want, they end when they want, and they make some money in between. Mm -hmm. um, construction not like that because you're working with teams. You've got to be there when other people are there. Right, right. Uh, and, 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 and the thing about it is you need, may need to be there at 4 a.m., 5 a.m. If, <laughs> if it's, you know, road work or whatever it happens to be. And sure, so, sure. you know, it, it is, it's going to be harder to find these workers. We're going to, you know, suffer a loss of, you know, some of our most experienced and talented workers over the next few years. We've already, that process has already begun. Mm -hmm. Technology is the only solution. And so what we could see is such profound progress in terms of, of technology replacing human beings, that by 2028, the world could be very different. And even though many people are not entering construction, we might still have too many construction workers by that point.
at the risk of mixing metaphors here during this podcast, you know, I, I believe that uh, no pain, no gain is at play here, too. I mean, we're in pain right now as an industry. We do not have the labor that we need, the human capital to build all of the, the, the in-place building, let alone all of the infrastructure work that we are facing or, or certainly need to be facing in, in many people's opinion. So, so right now, technology is starting to step up and trying to fill these gaps. There's, you know, it's an opportunity for technology to do that. So there is a good in that. Projecting out to the future though, uh, with more and more human beings on the planet looking for things to do, this this would be the philosophical portion of our podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so what what do you see? What is your general opinion, uh, Anabana, of, of, as we move forward, as technology continues to fill in gaps and do more and more, well, what are we gonna do, sir? Right. So, I mean, you know, we've talked about 3D printing and robotics, but there's also artificial intelligence and many other driverless vehicles, many other technologies that are poised to replace human beings and have already begun to do that. Okay, fine. Here's the thing. We have a shortage of workers in construction that I think will continue to grow in part because not enough young people are entering that segment. But one of the reasons not enough young people are entering construction is because they are entering other fields. Mm -hmm. You know, they are entering computer science. They are entering the actuarial sciences, which relates to insurance. They, you know, they are, they are going into other industries, retail and hospitality and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. You know, we have, according to the most recent data, 6.89 million unfilled available jobs in America. So on the one hand, you and I are talking about a shortfall of construction workers. On the other hand, we're in a nation with nearly 7 million unfilled job openings and 6.29 million unemployed people. So we literally have a job for everyone. Yeah. And so we're finding other things to do. Mm. I mean, there was a time, 1800, you know, about 90% of us, or if not more, worked on a farm. Mm -hmm. Today, 1% of Americans work on a farm, but we still have lots of other things to do. So right. one of the things we do is we look at the jobs that stand to be destroyed, but it's hard for us to understand or imagine all the new jobs, the new types of jobs that stand to be created as these new technologies are developed and diffused throughout the economy. And so if history is a guide, mm -hmm. there will be other things for us to do, but not enough of us are entering the construction trades yep. and contractors, including very large contractors with a lot of resources, I'm going to find a way around that issue. Sure. And and no matter what, no matter what, um, you know, what the demographics are for the industry going forward, I would say that clearly we're not done building things. Uh, I've, I've seen statistics and uh, please, folks, don't quote me. I'm, I'm uh, not being rigorous here, but memory serves uh, roughly half of the buildings that will exist in 2030 don't exist today. So there's an interesting statistic. These still have to be built now, whether they're built more with technology and a bit less with human being capital, possibly. But you know, as you mentioned, though, we will continue to find things to do, right? I'm, I'm sure that this, I'm sure that these types of conversations have been going on probably for centuries. When the, you know, when the steam engine was invented, what are we going to do with all the people now, right? Um, well, we found things for them to do, and and that essentially is, I, I guess, the way we bootstrap progress. You know, in our world, or one way to look at it. So you're a contractor right now, facing potentially good building season coming up this year. Your biggest problem is likely workforce. Do you have any other uh, any other general suggestions for contractors listening 
We're going to try to absolutely kill it this year. Do you have advice about uh, what they should, uh, you know, how they should handle their cash this year? Looking looking forward at some of the leading indicators. Any any specific advice for a general audience? Uh, a bit of a hard ask there, sir. But uh, what would you say? Well, I would say simply this: don't make any unforced errors. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember. Um, Years like 2005 and 2006, also good years for contractors. Uh, that was a period during which profit margins were quite high on average. And that was also a time when many people built themselves $1.5 million homes mm-hmm. or bought a you know, very expensive condominium in Miami. What they ended up doing was draining some of the cash out of their businesses. And then when they needed that cash in 2008, 2009, they didn't have it. And that condo wasn't worth nearly what they had paid for it. Right. And so I, that's what I would say is that, you know, we've been in this recovery for a long time now. It, you know, it took many years, of course, for it to kick into a higher gear, but here we are. Um, and this is a time when people make unforced errors by not saving enough cash. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had made the comment or somebody, the, the quote being, you know, don't waste a good recession. I agree with that too. And one of the things that people can think about is, well, if there were a recession tomorrow, what would my enterprise look like? Mm-hmm. Who would I keep? Who would I get rid of? What equipment would I no longer lease? You know, would I own any equipment? What, I mean, all those kinds of questions. It's actually a good time now to start asking those questions. Not that we're facing a downturn in construction volume in 2019. That was backlog so high. Sure. But still, you know, one of the temptations when a company is growing is to take on too many people and sometimes people who really don't belong on the bus, so to speak. Right. They're not the finest workers. And they're the first ones to lose their jobs during a downturn. Mm-hmm. But one, what one can do now is ask the question, do they belong here even during this upturn? Right. Anuban, honestly, I could talk all day on these things with you. Uh, but uh, but apparently uh, for for the... Uh, for the regular listener to this podcast series, uh, you know about the chicken. Uh, if this is your first time turning in, don't don't tune out quite yet, because we have something for you, ladies and gentlemen. It's nugget time. <laughs> All right, so so nugget time. As you know, thank you, chicken. Nugget time is when our guests give you the one nugget, the one very tasty, perfectly cooked, breaded, all white meat nugget that you can take away from this podcast keep in mind, and hopefully help you build a better business. So, Anurban, please, one fresh nugget for the audience. Here it is. Sometimes good things happen in this world. And that's one of the things that contractors will want to watch for in 2019, is that there are certain things that could happen that could really change and improve the forecast, not just for 2019, but for 2020 and beyond, a trade deal with China an infrastructure spending plan at the federal level, Federal Reserve stops tightening monetary policy, and of course, the elimination of tariffs on steel, aluminum, softwood lumber, et cetera. Mm-hmm. All of these things are possible. I'm not saying probable, but possible. If those things begin to happen in 2019, the 2020 outlook starts to look much different. That's fantastic. That will help you. That will help our listeners move through 2019 with more confidence and be able to plan accordingly and manage their cash appropriately for 2020 if they keep their eyes on these leading indicators. Anuban, once again, thank you very much for sharing your immense knowledge of uh, economics in general and specifically 
uh, the economics of the construction industry. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, I look forward to seeing you on the road, which is inevitable, roughly once every quarter, uh, as we as our paths intersect and uh, and learning even more. If the folks out there would like to learn a little bit more uh, from you or your company and and understand a little bit better the things we've been talking about, how can they get in touch with you? Right. Our company's name is Sage Policy Group Incorporated. We're in Baltimore, Maryland, and you can find us at www.sagepolicy.com. That's www.sagepolicy.com. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how you get a hold of Mr. Anabamba Sue, Chief Economist, ABC, CFMA, all around wonderful gentleman. And again, thank you so much for spending your time with us, Anurban, and, and to all of our guests out there. Thanks for listening. Join us again for another Viewpoint on Construction. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Check back for new podcasts at Viewpoint.com or on the same channel. Craving more thought leadership pieces? Check out our Viewpoint Surveyor blog at blog.viewpoint.com, which is updated several times per week with the latest news, industry best practices, and much more.